Good morning, and welcome to Hope Church. I love it when things uh, got broken guitar strings, and, and see, God knew that we were going to change it up that way. We just didn't know it yet, so he had the announcement shift the song earlier. Um, I love that, because what it does is it shakes us up a little. We're not here to put on a show for you or you for us or anything like that. We're here for the name of Jesus, and sometimes shaking things up a little helps us to just kind of shake off the cobwebs and say, okay, God, this is for you, by you. Everything is about you. Um, it's not about us. We're here to worship the name of Jesus. So, Welcome. If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, my name is David Mathis. I'm the English pastor here. Ruben Barbosa over here is our Spanish pastor. God has led us as a church to be a church of two languages, one hope. Um, so excited for what he's already doing uh, in the life of our church as a young church. I've got a question for you this morning. Uh, what, uh, what people group would you consider yourself to be in? And, and I guess Texan is an okay answer for people group. We've, in our six years here, we've come to realize that uh, Texas is, a, is an incredible place. We're, we're starting to feel Texan. I don't think we officially, you know, six years isn't enough to really be Texan. Um, and I've met some Texans. Um, but what, what people group? We have, the United States is really a, a melting pot of a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, people who grew up a lot different than I did. Um, people whose first language was not English. Um, we have a lot of that here within uh, the Austin area. I had it very much in the coastal regions. I, I grew up in Southern California. And uh, going to UCSD and then working at Qualcomm, um, I felt like a minority uh, at UCSD. And I might have been. I, I was this um, Caucasian, uh, grew up in the U.S. Uh, in a conservative family, uh, very Christian background, homeschooled. That really threw me into a minority. Um, my, my background heritage is 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 deep into this country. 16 generations back, uh, I had ancestors, came on the Mayflower, part of the early settlers of this country. I was a minority among people who knew a very different beginning of their life. I had, I had friends, um, a good friend of mine, uh, my lab partner in, in college that then came to work with me at Qualcomm was from Pakistan, Adnan. Uh, I remember him talking about just how he was excited when he met his his wife and all of the ceremonies that they were doing, he's excited to, to tell me about all of their ceremonies, which are very different than what I knew as a wedding ceremony. In Pakistan, it looks much different. Um, sometimes our differences are a little less comfortable. It's, it's, it's out of our comfort zone. I don't know how far your comfort zone goes. Um, we had a friend of mine also who's from China, uh, Hao, who stayed with us for a while with Elizabeth and I uh, while I was in school, and, and it was great. I love how, but for some time, our refrigerator didn't smell like we were used to. It, it was a little different. You know, our comfort zone was pressed a little bit there. It really wasn't a big deal. Um, but there's, there's more significant differences that we know of where, where it's not just discomfort, but there's real resentment, and there's, there's even hatred and, and we go back to the history of our country, and we've seen a lot of racial uh, hatred. And, and even now, it hasn't 
really gone away, has it? It's, it's continued on. Well, this morning, as we continue in our study through Ephesians, we're going to be uh, looking at a divide uh, that, that is much greater than any of these racial conflicts that we have dealt with or any that we have ourselves uh, felt in resentment. Um, and it goes deeper because there's a spiritual aspect to it as well. It's the difference between God's chosen people, Israel, the Jews, and then the rest of the world, the Gentiles of which we are a part. Um, and so we're going to be looking into what God has done. Um, and as we're looking into that, I want us to just consider how what God has done in this greater divide between Jews and Gentiles also applies to our own experience right in front of us, even within our own church. Um, we are a church of two languages and one hope. That's at least two cultures, which the reality is that two languages represents a lot more than two cultures. Even Southern California to Texan is two different cultures. But let's look as we go through this how this might also apply in our own lives, in our own situation now. So let's pray to get started. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter to the Ephesians that we are digging into. Um, God, I pray that you would dig into our hearts and just surface resentments, surface fears, surface anything in our hearts that, that we have held against people just because they are part of a people group, just because they're different than we are. And God, I pray that you would surface that so that your word can speak truth into it. God, we need you. We need the change that you can bring into our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so far in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, we saw from God's perspective what God the Father has done towards us, his love towards us, his grace towards us. And it's stretching back from the beginning of the foundations of the world, his plan towards us and his purposes to make us holy and blameless before him, his purpose to uh, to include us uh, in his family as adopted children, to include us in his plan of uniting all things in Christ and all of it to the praise of his glory, to the praise of the, his glorious grace. And we saw how he has, he has resurrected Christ Jesus and, and has set him in all authority above all things and given him um, as, uh, as having authority over all things to the church. And then last week, we dug in from our perspective of, of looking at uh, our experience of God's love and grace towards us. And it's starting with us dead in our sin. And, and then ultimately seeing how we have been made alive in Christ. And the incredible grace that God has had towards us in our experience of it. Has, and has set us to now walk in good works that he's prepared before us. Now... This is going to take a shift. It's still looking at our experience, but it's no longer our experience really as individuals. It's our experience as a people, as a group. And it's, he's writing this to the Ephesians, so this is to uh, a people who are Gentiles. 
And, and we're gonna see God's grace to us as a people and God's purpose for us as a people um, as we dig into this. So let's look, uh, starting in verse 11. And he's gonna take the same, the same format where he's, he's gonna say, look back and see how it once was and then now see what God has done. Just like, look back and see, you were dead in your sin and now you've been made alive in Christ. So he says, therefore, remember, Gentiles, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So what is this dividing wall of hostility? Um, And we're dealing with a difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, And this beginning here can be confusing if you're not familiar with Old Testament history. Back in 11, it said, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. What's what's he talking about here? Well, we'll go back to the promise made to Abraham. Uh, The one person that God said, I'm going to... I'm going to make out of you a nation, uh, which was the nation Israel. And, and when God made that covenant with Abraham, he said, this is going to be a sign of my covenant between you and, and me, and it's going to be that every male is going to be circumcised, um, and, and that it should be on the eighth day, which, you know, looking back now, we have our science, and, and we know that, oh, on the eighth day is the best time to do surgery on boys without any kind of a... Um, help because their vitamin K is at a peak and blood clotting is going to work the best. And wow, how scientific that, that Abraham was back then. No, his science was that he trusted God. Um, but that was the sign. That, so that's what it's talking about here is the uncircumcision are although all of those. So if you had any question that Gentiles is referring to everyone non-Jew, this makes it pretty clear. The uncircumcision is all of those outside of Israel, outside of God's promise, and the circumcision is those who have the sign of the promise, sons of Abraham. So then he says, remember, Gentiles, remember Ephesians, uh, that, that uh, Gentiles in the flesh called them circumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Wait a second. Christ came Later, how's that? Well, well, Christ, uh, he's the Messiah. He, he was part of the promises. He, Israel was, did have hope. Israel was looking for a Messiah. They were looking for the one who would save them. They didn't understand, even though there was so much prophecy that described what would happen, they still didn't understand the mystery of how God was gonna carry that out. But they had hope. But to the Gentiles, they were without hope because they were aliens to all the promises that were given just 
to Israel, just to the Jews. Um, we look there uh, in verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth. So the nation of Israel had um, these promises of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, the Ephesians experienced that at that time because they were there before Christ came. This isn't really the condition that we come into the world experiencing as a group because Christ has come. We don't know what it's like to be Gentiles completely separated from the promise. However, there are people groups out there who really fall into this because they don't have the name of Jesus within their people group. They don't know of Jesus, and that's part of our mission is to take the gospel, to take the word of God to people who haven't heard because really their situation right now is this. They are without hope, without God. And so there's the motivation in our hearts to say we want to take what God has given us to those who have no hope. And then it says in verse 13, but now in Christ. It's just like verse 4 that we covered last week. You're dead in your sins, but God. What an incredible turning point. And here we have, here you have being without hope, without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, by his blood. See, Christ, there was a real conflict between Jews and Gentiles. But when Christ came, what is he accomplishing through his body and through his blood? It's not that immediate horizontal issue between Jews and Gentiles. And, and, and we've seen the conflict with the Jews hasn't really stopped. It, it has continued even past then. But, but he's not addressing that horizontal issue. What Christ did by his body and his blood is he addressed the root issue, the issue that goes back before Moses. It goes back before Abraham. It's the issue that was there in the garden that we have been alienated with God. It's not a root issue that we see on the surface here, our root issue is needing to be reconciled with God. And so what Christ has done in his body and in his blood has reconciled both the Jews and the Gentiles to God. How often do we see the conflict in racial conflict around us as an issue whose root issue is not this horizontal issue. The root issue that we have is needing to be reconciled with God. And oh, the glory of God that happens in a place like this. When people are all reconciled to God through the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and then we see the fruit of that in reconciliation and peace with each other. We need to change our perspective on what the root issue is around us. That maybe change how we speak 
into the issues that are around us. So our first point this morning is that Jesus Christ is our peace. Jesus is our peace. He has made peace between us and God. He has reconciled us to God. We were enemies before with God. And and by making peace with God, now we see how he's making peace with each other. Um, Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. What's that about? Did he, did he just abolish the whole law? No, the God's moral law, what, what we see in the Ten Commandments of, of right relationship with God and right relationship with each other, that's still the same. What he has abolished is the law that's expressed in ordinances. It's, it's, it's the ceremonial law. It's all the feasts and sacrifices that Israel had to do in order to maintain right relationship with God. All of those pointed towards Christ. And in Christ, now we have reconciliation with God. We have right relationship with God. We can be a holy people before God without all of those things. So in him, he has abolished all of the, the commandments expressed in ordinances, and, and it was those, it was all of what Israel had to follow that was part of what was a dividing line with everyone else. They were a holy nation set apart to God. Everyone else was what we described at the beginning of this chapter, following the course of this world, dead in their sins. There was a natural, spiritual level hostility Uh, that was there between the two. Now Christ has in himself made peace with God for both the Jews and the Gentiles. All of those ordinances are no longer necessary, um, and he has broken down the dividing wall. And then we continue in verse 15, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. It's our second point. One new man in Christ. It's not that, that we are joined to uh, the Jewish nation. It's not that any of the categories of people groups that were there already are the, it's, is the category that we all are joined into. No, God has made a new man, a new category, a new people group that is those who are in Christ. It is new. And We are all, no matter what people group we came from, we are all now in Christ. We are part of the same people group, united in Christ. Continuing verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jews. Um, and there's some references here back into, back into prophecy I'm not going to get into this morning, but that's some of that language of far off and near. That's where that's coming from. Um, and in verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I love that verse. When we talk about hope, church, two languages, one hope. Well, this is a great verse that describes two languages, one hope, for through him, through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. 
That's the reality that we're living in. So even though I might not speak your language very well, I know you're my brother and sister in Christ. We both have access to God through one spirit. My experience is the same as your experience. We are one people. We're not two different people groups. And we see that now in verse 19, so that, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, not citizens of, again, any of those previous people groups. This is a new man. We are fellow citizens with the saints of what God has created in Christ and are members, not just of a nation, but this is family, members of the household of God, new that, that God has created. Let's look, uh, if you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11. We see this. Again, ah, my Bible sword drill skills. There we go. It says in verse 11, here, here in the body of Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Where else have we, have we seen Christ is all in all? It was at the end of chapter one, saying that God gave Christ as head over all things to the church, who is all in all. Those things still exist. It's still, they're still Hispanic origin, uh, which, which means a lot of things, that it, there, there, there's, there's still differences in languages. There's, there's still a lot of the difference in taste and, and, and what we like in music and what we like in food. There's, there's all these differences still, but when we come here together, our focus is not on those things. Our focus is on Christ, and in him, those things no longer are here. And if we really look at the truth of the situation that we're in, that we looked at last week, that we are seated with Christ spiritually, and that in the long run, this is just a dot on a line that extends to eternity. In the long run, we are one, and those things won't really have any impact anymore. We are one in Christ. Let's go back to Ephesians. What he's talking about here is focused on corporate as a group, what God is making us. Um, and we are a new creation as a group. We are a new creation as an individual in Christ. But it's important to see also what God is doing here is that we are a new creation as a people. And you are a part of that. Um, and it's important for us to see that because especially as Americans, we think very individually, um, very independently. This is, this is me. Um, but what God is doing in you is to work and make you a part of what he is doing in his people. 
All right, let's look also, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 9 and 10. people that God is making us to be. Starting in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. See, this is not just um, not just a gathering of people, but a whole new race. A royal priesthood. The priests uh, were mediators between God and man, and, and we represent the presence of God here on earth. Uh, we only need one priest, is Jesus Christ, to access the Father now. But we as a people represent God's presence here on earth. A holy nation. That's what Israel was. And that's what they had to do all of those ordinances to, to maintain and be. It was a holy nation. Now we, through Christ, are a holy nation. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise the Lord for what he has done. Once you were not my people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's referring back to a prophecy again. Um, in I believe it's in Hosea. Uh, that we don't have time to get into now. But incredible, God's plan. This is God's plan from the beginning, that he would make a people for his own possession. We saw that in that perspective, that God perspective in chapter one, that he was making, he had plans that in his own counsel, he, he was looking and, and calling people for his own possession. And now here we see that it has happened um, in Christ. So going back to that question I asked everybody earlier, what people group do you identify with? Whether it's language, whether it's culture, whether it's your upbringing, that's not who you are anymore. In Christ, through faith in Christ, God has made a new man, a new nation, a new people. And I can tell you, as much as I love genealogy and, and to look at the heritage that comes behind me, and, and that's a valuable thing to do, uh, mostly to not repeat mistakes of the past, but yes, it's good to look at our heritage. More important and more valuable than my heritage is the inheritance that I have in Christ. It is all new. So if there's anything in your heart that you're, that, that is resentment because of who you see yourself as, based on where you've come from. We need to know, know in our heart that that's not who we are anymore in Christ. But our identity is in Christ. And so now when we're looking at those around us, it's got to be through new eyes, through the eyes of Jesus. All right, the final point that I want to get into here is that together we're a holy temple in Christ Jesus. And we see the fullness of what he's mentioning in verse 19 happen. Um, he's describing it in verses 20 through 22. So let's read again in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints 
and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What's going on here? We are part of something that's being built. We are the substance of what's, of, of what's being built. That you're, you're a part of this structure that's being built, and it's being built on a foundation um, of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. A cornerstone, if you're not familiar with that, was the first stone set for a foundation. And it, it took the most work and it took the most attention because it would set the whole structure, the angle that it was at, whether or not it was level. That would set the rest of the whole foundation, which would set the rest of the whole building. So what he's saying here is that Jesus Christ has set the beginning of this structure. He is the cornerstone. Everything follows off of Jesus Christ. Everything is aligned with Jesus Christ. And then it says that this is built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. I believe those are, those are New Testament apostles and prophets. We see that again in, I don't think I had a slide for it, but in, if you turn ahead to chapter 4, um, we also see apostles and prophets show up here. In verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So it begins with the apostles and prophets. And I believe the, the work of the apostles and prophets is complete. We have, we have the fruit of that in the New Testament. Uh, we have the fruit of that as a church that was established that now has continued for 2,000 years. God has God is building this building um, on that foundation, but the building is not done yet. The building is continuing to be built, and we are a part of it. And what is this building for? In verse 21, in whom? In Jesus. The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The temple for the Jews, um, was where the presence of God would reside. God wanted to be residing among his people. And so they built the temple, and it had everything that was needed for them to be, approach, be able to approach the presence of God, to be made holy to approach his presence. And that was all through a priest. And now we have all of that in Christ, and God is creating out of us a temple for the presence of God. And in, in view, verse 21, it's, it's everyone. It's everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. So this is the universal church. Everyone in the world who has or ever will believe on the name of the Lord is part of this structure that God is building. He's building it in Christ. He's building it based on Christ, aligned with Christ. It's all from Christ. And we see in, in verse 22, now he's, he's taking this and kind of restating it, but focused on the Ephesian church. And so he's saying, in him you also. That could also read in him, hope church, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A dwelling place. For the, you see the Trinity here. You see Christ is the one. Where everything is built on him. Everything is built in him, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that it's being built, and it's being built as a place 
for the presence of God. How incredible is the work of God? Something to note here is that this is not a structure of individuals. This is not a structure of of individuals each growing separately. This is a structure of us together being built in Christ. There isn't anything in God's plan for lone Christians. His plan involves us together. And so when you're looking at how God is working to grow you in your life, it's not just about you. What God is doing in my life is for the benefit of his body. What God is doing in my life is part of building up this structure for the presence of God. How much more glorious is that than if it was just me in my own way just kind of trying to find and follow God? That's not what it is. God's plan is that we together are being built up into the body of Christ. This building for the presence of God, a holy temple together. So what do we take away from this? It's all Christ. (laughs) Built on Christ. From the very beginning, Christ is our peace. Christ has, has, has reconciled us with God, and by doing that, he has reconciled us with each other. We are one new man in Christ. Our identity as individuals, as a group. It's not Hope Church. It's not this building. It's not, it's not even the, the history of what God has, has done to bring us here. Those are wonderful things, and, and we praise the Lord for them, but that's not who we are. Who we are is in Christ. And as a church, we need to not ever lose that, never lose our love for Christ and our purpose in Christ and who we are in Christ. It, it can't be about a guitar working perfectly all the way through service. Praise the Lord that his string broke because what we're about is not perfect guitars. It can't be about, you know, whether or not we get the stage just right or whether or not um, this is all set up perfect. We do those things in order to be a church of order, a church that's worshiping God. But that's not what it, that's not what makes us who we are. What makes us who we are is in Christ. Completely in Christ. And as we look into our own personal lives and into our own families, we need to realize that what Christ is doing there is very similar. It's in Christ. It's being built up in Christ. But it's not just about us and our families. What God is doing in our families is for the benefit and the purpose that he's working in the body. Let's pray. Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the glory of what you have done. We have in two chapters of this very thick book seen your glorious purpose. And it's realized in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would work within our hearts to love you more, 
Open our eyes to see the fullness of what you have accomplished, of who we are, so that we don't get caught up in meaningless controversies. We don't get caught up in meaningless just resentment towards others for things that are nothing compared to the purpose that you are working in us. God, we want what comes out of us to be your love, your love in our families, your love in this body. Lord, we know that's going to be uncomfortable. We know that there's going to be things that you lead us to because we still carry the person that we were before we were made to be the people that is your chosen people. We still carry that with us. God, help us to just love each other in that, to love our differences, because in our differences, we see the glory of your grace that you have called all of us to your one purpose in life. God, I love this church. I love what you're doing here in this family. God, I pray that you would grow us. God, that we would grow deep and we would grow wide, that we would be fully invested in you and carrying your gospel to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.